You're listening to the 405 Exchange Podcast. My name is Ken Grandpierre, and today's episode is with Younger. Originally from the UK, Dario Darnell, aka Younger, is a literal jack of all trades. You've probably seen it by now, the video of him covering the Temper Trap Sweet Disposition while playing the guitar, drums, and keyboards simultaneously. But trust me when I say that's only the tip of the iceberg and what this guy has to offer. With this talk, we go into his beginnings, the songs off his latest projects, This Is Not An Album, and why it's important for him to perform the way he does. This is the 405 Exchange with Younger. Enjoy. Tell me this, can you remember the first time you came to New York and what that was like for you? As an artist or a human being? Let's go with both. Uh, human being, uh, my dad's from the Bronx, he was born in the Bronx. Oh, yeah. So I actually lived in a place called Mayapak, which is upstate. Um, I know of Mayapak. Yeah. And my family lives in Rockland, which is not uh, far off. I, I have really weird, because it was only for a year. Yeah. So I remember being really small and there was a lake, and I just remember it being a, like a magical place, really wooded, and it's like a nice area of forest and trees and shit. Yeah. Um, but then the first time going, remembering actual New York, because my mum and dad split up after a while. Um, I just remember the smell. There's a certain smell in New York and the yellow cab. I just remember looking out the window being like, this is the most magical place in the whole world. Like, what is happening? You know? Yeah. I, was, I, was like, I think I was six or seven. I was just, and I, I loved Twizzlers. So I used to be like, mum, can we go to New York? It's want Twizzlers. Um, as an artist, the first time I came here and played was at the Mercury Lounge two years ago. Oh, wow. And it was... An amazing experience because me and my bro had never, we'd been playing music for 15 years, bands playing everywhere, Manchester, uh, everywhere, but we'd never played America. Jesus. Which is like our second home, New York. Uh, so it, and I had my brother on stage with me, so it was a real magical experience again. Um, and the show was great, and you know, I looked over at Ash, and we kind of had this eye contact thing of like, this is, this is great. I can't believe that was just two years ago, because I feel like I've been aware of you and your music for like way longer than that, but two years, that's insane. Yeah, I, 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 it's two years, Jesse, right? For sure, yeah. Two years-ish. Year and eight, six months-ish? No, it was, it was last October. Fucking hell. Ah, so... Okay. Right. Yeah. Oh, that is insane. Yeah. So, I, like, there's a lot of stuff I want to ask you about, but before I do, I want to kind of, like, go a little bit backwards even more, so... Mm-hmm. And I want to go to the start a bit. Like, when did your fascination with music begin? Because it's one thing to, like, love music and to be into it, but... Yeah. I wonder when you realized that this was a thing you were quite fixated on. Um... Because my dad's a musician, I was around it, and I used to go on the tour bus with him. And I remember touring around Germany on his big tour sleeper bus. Oh. I'd be like, "This is such a cool life." Everyone's like there having fun, and then he'd go up on a festival stage in front of thousands of people, and I used to sit behind the drummer. I just be like, "That's the coolest thing I've ever seen." And he was left-handed as well, so I was like, "What's happening?" Yeah. Um, and I had piano lessons when I was a kid, and I think when I started getting well. It's tough because it's always been there. It's music's always been there, and I think about thirteen or fourteen, I I decided that I was going to be a, a drummer or a, a musician. With my brother, we were like, right, let's just do this band thing. Because I was playing basketball all the time. Yeah, yeah. I love the hype for it. Yeah, well, I wanted to be basketball, and I was and I was great in England, and then I stopped growing. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, everyone else is growing way taller than me, so I need something else to do now. And yeah, I became really fascinated about 13, 14, I think. So from there, when did you start recording music? Do you remember what the first song you made sounded like? Like, can you even remember what that was? I can. I can. I I still have it recorded on a little Fostex 8-track 
analog recorder, which my dad got me for Christmas. I've still got them because I remember the feeling of not knowing what the chord was. I didn't know what the notes were. I just remember it feeling this emotion and being like, I'm writing this. And I was like, this is an incredible feeling to have when you've recorded something, written it, listened to it back, or you play it to your mum, or you play it to your brother, and they go, oh, this is really nice, this is catchy. Mm. I'm like, oh my God, someone's enjoying something that I've done. So that's when I started to, to be fascinated in the creation and recording of music. That is really insane. Mm. Just like, I mean, was it the type of thing where before you did it, you were like, okay, now is the day I'm going to record a song, or did it just kind of like... I wish I could remember. I wish I could remember. I think... The school I went to had Cubase on the on the old laptop on the computers, and you know, I remember just being fascinated with with recording things. And I don't think I woke up one day and went, "Today I will record a song." <laughs> I think I think it just kind of got integrated. And my dad was pushing it. it was like, "Oh, have this recorder. This you can do this." And I was like, "Oh." So it was more of a a trinkling progression. Yeah, listening to this is not an album. It felt clear to me that you wanted to meld as many sounds as possible, which I think is clear to anyone who listens to any of your singles. Right. But within this collection of tracks, I felt like this was very much the mission statement. Yeah. To have an element of fusion within cohesion also felt like it was quite a goal for you. And yeah. I wonder what was it like to be in the studio with an engineer and producer and make this come together. Like, what was it like conveying these ideas to other people that you were working with? Um, I because well, I produce all the songs myself. The right, so it's, when I wrote them was quite uh, long ago. It was with a guy called Tim Woodcock, a lot of them, and another guy called Tom Mann, um, and they all helped with the the creation of the vocals and stuff. So it's 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 nice. I wrote them so long ago, and they've all been released as singles. So it wasn't like one session. It wasn't like the traditional, let's do an album, let's cut an album for six weeks in the studio. It was like uh, it was more of a compilation. That's why I called it. This is not an album because. They'd already been done and recorded, so each 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 track was so different in how it how it was written. I can't really remember how we set out to do it. To be honest, I remember the, the last one, Ulordi. I remember I had a picture of a gig that I did in Mexico. Everyone had their hands in the air, and it was of the music. I hadn't written the vocals yet. It was just the music I used to play, and I had my hands in the air. It was this beautiful moment of like everyone being there together. So I was like, I went to my guy Tim. I was like, let's write a vocal on this that that completely captures that moment. That's why we wrote that. And I feel like we captured it in the words of the Lord, just like being in the moment, being there for, for the gig, you know, not not to, to chat up girls and stuff. It was just to be there for the moment. And, and to um, actually enjoy the music and yeah, live it. Yeah, because I also looked in the picture, not one person had their phone in the air. It was all hands and smiles. That's amazing. And I was like, this that picture was beautiful. No one was like, they were like filming themselves or anything. It's just like, so yeah. So, I mean, this is a question that you're definitely sick of, and you kind of already answered it, but I kind of want to go a little bit deeper into it, and you could probably already guess if, about the album title. Cause yeah. What's intriguing to me isn't necessarily the title itself, but more so the decision. I'm more curious about once you decided to call it that, Yeah. how sure you were that this is what it needed to be called. <laughs> Not sure. I still don't know if it's the right name. Yeah? <laughs> Even now that it's out. Even now it's out, I'm like, was that the right name? Um... Yeah, it was me and my manager kind of brainstorming. We were like, what should this be called? Because we didn't want to go down a cliche volume one, compilation one, Dario's youngest mixtape, whatever. So we're like, and, and I'm quite a light-hearted guy. So it was, it's quite nice to inject a bit of humour, a bit of irony into the whole system of albums now. Because I think they are glorified playlists on Spotify. No, I think so, and I, I can even think of an album just as pretty recent, like the Gorillaz last album. Like, right. I listen to it, it's pretty much a big playlist, but it still uh, yeah. works. Still works. It's just a new way of, of listening and consuming music, which I, I'm trying to be super open-minded about because 
I still love albums. Like, my favourite bands release albums. And I used to buy the CDs or the cassettes or whatever, all that old school stuff. Yeah. And um, I hope one day I get to do that. I hope one day it'll still hold a place somewhere, but I don't know how it's going. I don't know. Do you, what do you think? Do you think the album's going to I think it still exists quite alive? a bit. I think it's one of those things where now we're in a place where there's, like, I feel like it's almost, like, siloed off, where it's, like, there's right. acts you know who make them into more, like, playlists and more into, like, yeah. variations. And, for example, someone that I enjoy quite a bit, Jack White, his album, oh, yeah. albums. Like, mm. Real album albums, yeah. Yeah. And Even, I feel like people like that are always going to exist. Yeah. I mean, like, my favorite band, well, they've got two. One's Incubus. Oh, yeah. And the other one's Simply Red. You know Simply Red? No, I don't. Are they Australian, man? Mm-hmm. Uh, UK. UK, man, yeah. Um, from Manchester. Oh, yeah, nice. Uh, but Incubus's last album, 8, was the least album album I've heard. It, it sounded real singly. Or, like, really? This joint. Yeah, have you heard the latest one? I don't think I did, no. Yeah, it's, it's dope. I think they finished it with Skrillex. No way. And yeah, and it's got this modern touch to it, which is... Because all the old stuff was really album-y. Um, but, yeah, I just... You know, it's interesting when you think about a band like Incubus, and I can see why they would be one of your favorite bands, because mm. for as um, as much commercial success as they've gotten, they're also a very kind of, I feel like, misunderstood and kind of like underrated band. Yeah, because yeah. sometimes you say Incubus, someone goes, oh, that high school band. I'm like, well, yeah, but they've also released five albums in the past couple you, of years. You know what I feel that way about as well? Uh, Nine Inch Nails. They're like one of my favorite yes. bands, but if you delve into their albums, like so many people think it's like, oh, he's Dustin with Marilyn Manson, it's all industrial. It's all that, yeah. But if you delve in their albums, there's like jazz. Dude's amazing. It's fucking incredible. They're amazing, yeah. Yeah. Nice, so the way I first heard about you a couple mm. years back, and I'm sure I'm not going to be the first person who's told you this, was from that uh, video of you doing oh, Sweet, Sweet, Sweet Disposition. Yeah. Sweet Disposition video, yeah. For sure. And like, it's interesting, like you knew right away that's what I was going to say. Yeah. Tell <laughs> me this, what has it been like to have people still to this day react to that? It's amazing. It means that I got it right. Yeah. You know, I've been doing music and recording and videos for ages, and that particular video, I don't know what it was, because it, it, was well, it wasn't a normal gig, it was a morning rave. So maybe I need to go back to a morning rave and try it again. Cause I, I was going to ask, because like, I was re-watching again recently, because I knew I was going to talk to you, mm. and I realized, uh, like, because I've seen it so many times before, I was paying more attention to the crowd. For sure. And the crowd was into it, but like, it felt like more like a showcase of some sort. It was not. So have you heard about the morning rave? Yeah. Morning Gloryville. So everyone goes there at five in the morning, massages, hugs, uh, cacao, you know, coffee. There's no drugs. There's no alcohol. Everyone's just there. That part I didn't know. That's not true. Yeah, they all go dressed as fucking unicorns and <laughs> and uh, fucking forest creatures, and then they go to work. They've got the suit in their bag, and they bring their kids, and they go on the bike, and then nine o'clock comes, they go off. Okay. So they have about four or five DJs. My brother was DJing before me that day actually, and um, and yeah, so the the front line of people that you see are facing the other way. Yeah, because they're part of morning glory to dance and to energize the people so behind that row is everyone looking that way so there's one row of people kind of hyping everyone up so it's like i had a crew of hype men and it was six in the morning there was this natural energy that everyone was going through and the sun was shining through it wasn't like because every time i've done a, a, a video now it's been nighttime dark alcohol moody so there's an energy but it's not it's not as as powerful as the energy in that sweet disposition video there's yeah. something that which comes through your screen when you watch that it really is there's like a purity but in no way does it ever feel contrived yeah, yeah, yeah exactly it's it's magic i don't know i don't know it was completely by chance but i, I love it i mean 
I'm so happy that people have still discovered it and people still love that video. It's just, it's great. I mean, it was crazy because, like, uh, right before I came up to meet with you, I was with my girlfriend and she mm. was asking who I was talking to today. I told her you. And she wasn't familiar with you and my go-to was to show that video. Right, right, right. And it was her first time seeing it and being Ooh. able to see that reaction again. Again, it's, right, right, right. It's really funny when you get to the experience. Yeah, because you've seen it a bunch of times, yeah. Mm. And what, what was her reaction like? She was just kind of like, oh, fuck. Well, she's a musician as well. She yeah, might I'll be listening, which is really funny. But she's a musician <laughs> as well. And, um... She's always marveled by people who can loop really well because mm. she understands like how much patience it requires. And yeah. she was watching that just going like, fuck. Dude, I, <laughs> yeah, man, I had to lock myself away in my, in my studio for at least four months to get that show up to where it is right now. Is it like that with almost every song you do? Because you pretty much loop throughout the whole show, don't you? Yeah, it's, it's pretty savage. Like it, When I do a new song, I've got to then rip it apart and go to the studio and spend like two days working out how to make it flow because I don't want it to be overindulgent and be like yo watch me loop this watch me loop this it's going to take me 10 minutes to loop one song yeah, yeah. it needs to be fluid so I need to pick the parts that, that, that work and then work a way around the song to make it flow you know I have a, que- a follow up question in regards to that and I'm sure you've been asked this before but I kind of want to explore this a little bit with you why like why do that why do that yeah because it's like you don't you like you wouldn't have to like is it joyous for you to do that it's like almost cathartic making music in that way what, what live on stage looping it yeah well looping it in general even like when a studio sounds it's i don't know why it's, it's just, i because i i i'm obsessed with textures and arrangements of songs yeah um i love you know you got a bed of chords and then you put a little drum groove and then you put the little guitar melody and then you put the bass line it's just so I love to show people what goes in to a song it's like building a, a house yeah. you know you stack it stacking it and then you build it and you break it all down you pull it back to just the beat maybe and start your verse and then you start to in- introduce the layers again so it's like you've shown people what the, the ingredients are mm-hmm. take them away and you just trickle them back in again so it's like even though you're like in a studio probably without any windows for hours on end it's yeah. still relatively exciting when you're doing this oh thing. I love it it's magic because I fall in love again with the song or maybe there's, in the recording I've, I've buried the, the percussion line yeah. but live I'm like that percussion line is going to be the main thing because I'm like doing a shake I'm like that's just made the whole song so live the songs sound a bit different because I'm pulling out which bits I think people react to in the thing which yeah. is very different to when you got it in your headphones that's very true you mm. know so tell me about the video for Oh Lordy your most recent video because uh, I really love that video uh, yeah with Ade the, the big have you seen Snatch yeah yeah the Tyrone the getaway yeah, yeah. <laughs> that movie's classic dude absolute classic yeah we he I think my manager knew somebody managed him and we were just like he would be perfect to walk around London with headphones on having a great time <laughs> And it was a crazy day. He was um, he was amazing to work with. He just like, had so much charisma. Everybody that would walk past, he just like hey, and he'd be like grabbing girls in the street and dancing <laughs> with them. And we were like, this is none of this is planned. So we just had to shoot, shoot, shoot. I wanted to know about that because when I was watching the video, and for people who haven't seen it, it's like him walking just, throughout London, just chilling and just having a good time. Yeah. And when you watch the video, it's like. You almost feel like some of this is set up, but as it goes on, because of the rhythm of the video itself, you mm. realize that there's no way you could write this on a script. No, the only thing, two things that were written yeah. were my cameo moments. Yeah. So the first one was the postman. Yeah. So that was, I basically handed him post and he just fucking loved it in the end. <laughs> and the second one was halfway through the song, I'm busking yeah. outside of church. So they were the only two things. Other than that, we just went, yo, walk down the street and have a great time. And he, the amount of people who would just go up, he got into a bus driver's seat. I was wondering about Dude, that. He just like, what? walked up. There were people on the bus waiting to go to work. <laughs> and he was like, oh, bruv, let me sit in that chair. Let me sit in that chair. 
<laughs> in the fucking bus. Fuck it just up. starts dancing. We had the little Bluetooth speaker bumping out the tune. And everyone on the bus was having a great time. He just he, he was nuts. I don't know how he did it. That's mind-blowing. Dude, he was, like, he was nuts. And and for you as an artist, like, I love asking artists this, but, like, when you see the final product of a video like that, do you feel like it conveyed what the, you wanted the song to convey? Absolutely. The spirit of it? Absolutely. I just basically wanted to make... That song is intended to make people feel good and happy, so mm-hmm. I wanted the video to match the audio, basically, and I think, I think he did that really well. That's yeah. awesome. So yeah. tell me, what's going to becoming your favorite track off the album? Or at least, track to perform, if you can't think of track. You know, the, my favorite at the moment is... Ulordi. Just because, maybe it's because it's new. Okay. But it's also my fastest song I've ever done. It's, it's yes. one, 132 BPM. Everything else I've done is, the top is 122, one, two, two, I think. So it's, it's the energy in it is just like fast and it's, and it's just fun and happy. And I sit down with the drums, I'm just like in my element. And, and there's a drum groove I've, I've sampled live, which is uh, Think, it's a James Brown, old James Brown drum sample, yes. which you don't hear in the record. Like I was saying when I was rehearsing, I was like, damn, this drum loop is dope. So. You'll hear it tonight, but I, I ramp that up and it just gives it this really nice, funky feeling and just makes me feel good. And I think by me feeling good, I'm making other people feel good. Yeah. And it's like a continuous cycle of just energy going up and up and we're just vibrating higher and higher and I'm just like, ah! So it just feels great. <laughs> That's dope. So what do you think surprises people the most when they see you live for the first time? Because um, we talked a bit about the Sweet Disposition video and... Man, I don't even want to describe it for people, but I guess for context we do. It's just like when you're performing live, you're doing everything as well. Not just within your studio sense, but on your live show, you're doing everything. Yeah. What is it like? What do you think it's like for people seeing that for the first time? I think a lot of people don't know what I'm doing for a lot of it. Yeah. The people who've just wandered upon to see Matoma come early, they're like, what's this guy doing? But they're not really concentrating. You know, because it's kind of seamless. I'm not kind of going, right, I'm going to loop the tambourine now. You know, so if you miss that two seconds of me doing that tambourine, it just sounds like there's a tambourine on the song, you know? So if you're not concentrating, you don't really know what's going on, but I actually like that because if if people are still having a good time without knowing what I'm doing, it's great. I don't want it to be too like, oh, you have to know he's looping for it to be good. It kind of proves, it showcase, it proves to you that it could be seamlessly done. Exactly. Yeah. Because so many people have been like, oh, you should like tell people what you're about to do because if you miss it, I'm like, no, I don't want to. It's like, it's one of people to have a good time. I don't want people to be like, oh, so, but I think people, when they get there, they're probably shocked at how ridiculous my shirt is that night. Maybe I'm wearing <laughs> yeah. a ridiculous shirt. Well, also the drums. There's drums as well. There's drums. So, the first, I always, there's a reaction in the first song, I'm playing bass, there's 808s going on, and about four minutes in, I drop on the drums, and people always go, woo! Like I hear, like a, because yeah. the energy from the drum kit that pushes out onto someone is, uh, you can't, you can't fake that. Yeah, a couple of months ago, and I, I want to add this to the question as well. A couple of months ago, I saw you at the Meadows Festival, mm. and you were pretty much like, like pretty much like quite a showman because there were like I want to say like two or three songs where you got off from your kit and was kind of like strutting the stage. A that's bit. it. That's Do it. Do you think that catches people off guard too? For sure, because I'm in my like I'm in my station, right? Yeah. I've got everything around me, and then I bust out some vocals, and then I suddenly break through this wall, <laughs> and, I, and everyone's like, "Oh shit, he's he's real. He's coming for me. He's singing to me." Yeah, I kind of like that breaking that boundary. That's awesome. Well, before I let you go, I just have one more question. But you know, thanks again for catching up. It's, it's been, been a great chat, man. Yeah, it's been real catching up with you, man. You know, like we, I asked you before about what it's like being in the studio and playing the way you do. Yeah. In terms of a live set, I really want to kind of delve into this a bit more because I mean, the way you perform live, just on like with your mental state and just with energy alone, mm-hmm. it has to be quite 
trying at times. Yes. And I wonder, what does playing this away do for you creatively? And what does that, what is, what is it about performing that way that surprises you? Surprises me? Yeah. Say, say the first bit of the question again. Like, uh, the fact when you're, like, on stage like that and you're not How much energy and, like, the mental capacity you're using. Because I know it's, like, you have to be... I mean, does it feel like you're not thinking when you're doing it? I was about to say, I don't... I get off stage sometimes, I'm like, well, what just happened? Really? Yeah. That's mind-blowing. And then my adrenaline's up here, and then about ten minutes later, it starts to go. (laughs) And then I feel my true feelings. I'm like, I am exhausted. Because yeah. Exo- when that adrenaline's gone, there's zero energy left in my body after that Because to watch you live, which is t- you, one would like look at you and be like, man, his brain, the concentration must be uh, right. immense the whole time. Basically, that's down to muscle memory and rehearsal. It's like anything. If you do it enough times, you go into autopilot. Yeah. But sometimes, you know, I'm like, they've lost my bags on the plane, so I haven't got a bit of my gear tonight. So it kind of throws me off a bit. I've got to compensate for like a pedal that I haven't got or this I haven't got. So I've got to be like, oh shit. So that kind of s- snaps me out of it, which annoys me a bit. Because when, when it's a smooth run, I'm just like, cool, I know what I'm doing. Yeah. But it's good to think on your toes as well. Keeps me, keeps me thinking, doesn't let me get lazy. Yeah. You know, so I actually kind of like when things go wrong. And do you feel like the more you uh, perform, especially in the way you perform, I keep saying that because it is very special and specific, you know, you. significant. Yeah. I wonder, like, do you find that as time goes on, it inspires you? Yes. Um, in fact, it inspires me to change the set and make it better. Really? Because I have to get a certain set together and then go, right, I'm going to play this. So after playing it a while, I'm like, I could do that better. I could do this more interesting. I could have that moment. So yeah, it inspires me in a way to just keep making it better. I'm never settled on a, on a show. Yeah, that's really good to know. Well, dude, thanks for catching up with me. Dude, right on, man. Yeah. It's been great chatting. Of course, dude, thanks. Absolutely.